What is going on, people? It's the Fly Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Martin Novak, and it's episode 32 this week. This week, I have Stefan Piot on. Some of you may know him as Stephen Poet, because that's how it reads on the internet. Um, I'm sorry, Stefan, but if you haven't heard of him, he's a cinematic pilot out of South Dakota that comes from a production background in professional film. So ever since day one, you know, he's like his color grading, editing, and audio... All this stuff was really on point, and as of recently, his flying is also really on point. Uh, so I wanted to have him on the show. We talk about a bunch of stuff about commercial gigs, GoPro settings, um, different aspects of filming, all sorts of stuff. Uh, it's a very creative-themed episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, see you next week. Yeah, Stefan Piat. Stefan Piat. Sweet, man. Thanks, because a lot of people get that Stephen Poet going, and it's... Dude, uh, full disclosure, <laughs> I was one of those people at one time. <laughs> no problem. <clears throat> All right, well, let's roll into it. Um, tell the people who you are and what you do and clear up the uh, the name game. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is uh, Stefan Piat. Um, I'm a professional drone operator and video production specialist. So I do everything from uh, creating corporate videos to running GoPros for NBC Sports and flying drones for NBC and pretty much everything in between. That is so rad. How'd you get into that? Uh, like the NBC gig or... Like uh, like the before FPV, how'd you get into like the video side of life? So it was like playing uh, Xbox and stuff with my friends and whatnot. <laughs> and we were all trying to be those you know YouTuber, gamer guys and throw out some cool edits here and there. And we were playing like Halo 3 and all those old uh, first-person shooters, Call of Duty and all that. And um, it started off with like capturing game footage and then trying to add special effects to it, like lens flares and all the like distortions and whatnot. And um, after getting kind of sick of playing with video game footage, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to have a camera to try to create some stuff too. And I bought my first camera, which was a, a GoPro Hero, like the original HD Hero. Like the all-silver brick? Yeah, actually, I still have it. It's back on my shelf back there. Heck yeah. <laughs> I, took, I took the lens out of it and put it in my Yushin Wizard to have a wider <laughs> field of view. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> my first mod <laughs> on that quad. <laughs> but yeah, so it started from that, and then I... Um, and then I, I got that GoPro and I booked a few uh, clients with it, actually. Like a dance studio hired me to come and shoot them, like a, a cool little action video with the GoPro. And I was using it as like an actual camera, like not just sticking it on people and whatnot, but I was like just filming people doing hip-hop dances with this GoPro. Dude, and that's so crazy, man. Yeah. Ever since then, it's just kind of been snowballing into slightly bigger productions and yeah, it's been a wild ride. And it goes to show that uh, if you just have a camera, I mean, like, if you made it, like, started the ball with uh, just a hero, man. Like, I can't imagine yeah. showing up to a professional shoot and being like, nah, I got this. <laughs> yeah, holding, like, a little teeny thing. I think I was, like, how old was I? I just, I was in high school still, so I was, like, 17 or 18. And uh, Okay, fair game. Yeah, different time of life, for sure. 
Yeah, and I was like, you know, maybe an older guy showing up with that probably wouldn't be as as uh, acceptable, but it's like, yeah. that's all I could afford. Yeah, we found your business card, and then you just roll off with that. <laughs> just legit business card, and then I'm like, yeah, this is all we need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's cool. That, so you came into FPV, you know, like from the camera side of it. I feel like a lot of people, you know, had to get into editing and cameras and understanding all this stuff because of FPV, but... For you, FPV was like the new thing. Yeah, it was. And it was like, um, you know, I've been flying a Phantom for a couple of years. I had the Phantom 3 standard. And um, I remember when I was working like a, at a skate shop, I was just like obsessed with the fact of getting a drone for some reason because of the way they just hovered. And it was like, that'd just be the craziest thing to be able to do that. And, um, you know, I was like at work, I was like, you know what? I should be practicing flying that drone right now rather than being here. And, um, I, you know, I got Story the Phantom. Of life. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and then I was like, you know, this is great. The, the shots you can get with this thing, it's like, it's next level. Cause you can recreate those crane moves and things like that with the gimbal and just being able to get up in the air was probably one of the coolest things to me. And then, um, it, it was fun for a couple of years, but then it was like the repetitive, same thing over and over. And I needed that next thing. And um, FPV was that, and I've been obsessed with it ever since. Yeah, I'm sure if you're, like, already into, like, cameras and drones, then finding FPV would be so cool. <clears throat> Especially, like, what year did you, like, what was the first FPV thing you saw, and when did you, like, get into it? Um, some of the first stuff I came across on YouTube was some of Gob, uh, Gabe Kocher, Gabriel Kocher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his, like, mountain cruising stuff, it just blew my mind, and I was just, like, it felt so far away for me to like, even to like be, to, to even do anything like that. And I thought that was like, you know, like never attainable. And then it slowly progressed in something like baby steps from park flying to slightly longer range, mid range, and learning a lot about everything that goes into drones. And it, it's become more, still can't do what he does, but it's still, uh, it's still become more attainable. Yeah. What he does is crazy. And, uh, but it, that was, like, one of the first videos I think I saw that, like, made me realize we had, like, a camera in the sky, not just, like, something to shred with. Yeah. Because up until then, it was, like, Maddie Stunts and Steel and, like, all these crazy pilots. And then he came along and was, like, no rolls, 90 seconds of mountain footage. And everybody was, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it was game-changing for sure. And, um, like, yeah, Steel and stuff, I've seen their videos, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool, but it didn't, like, pique my interest to be a freestyle pilot. I still try to in the park every now and then, like, when I'm testing out a new quad or whatever, but, yeah, it's um, it's definitely more for that, like, cinematic kind of point of view where you're just, like, a bird flying around. I love that. Yeah, it's it's crazy sweet. And it's cool when you get to, like... Like, you've chased extreme sports people. It's cool when you get to share it with someone and they get to see themselves from that angle. Like, sharing FPV with someone that's being filmed, I think, is, like, especially cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. they, they've never seen anything like it before. They've seen drones and stuff, but they've never, like... This is such a, a crazy perspective on any action sport. Like, you do the stuff with the... With that skier. That was such a cool shot that you got recently. Thanks, man. Just yeah, follow that that was a crazy day that was my first like like i've chased stuff before but it was the first time i chased something gravity fed which was a really interesting like weird like the way his speed changed through the course of like the apex of his jump which i'm sure you experienced with the dirt bike too 
Because you get yeah, this, cause... like, it feels like a zero-G, like, float moment, and then they pull away from you again. Yeah, and it's it's hard to keep them framed just right. Yeah. For that whole entire perspective, or that shot. Because you can, like, with the dirt bike, I have to speed all the way up into it, and then all of a sudden I have to kind of kill throttle and go back and just try to circle him without hitting him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cool to see, um, like, you know, chasing a dirt biker or, like, a pro skier is, like, you're like I was like even in the frame sometimes in the goggles I was so in awe of what he was doing. I was like, holy crap, this dude is sending it. And then, but then they're like, oh my god, you built this? Like this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You just did like a triple cork. <laughs> like you know, we're we're on each different level. Like we're the pro pilots and they're the pro riders. So it's coming together to make this you know, merger of awesomeness in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel, um, you know, coming from the professional side of things that like, it's becoming like a pretty easy avenue to like, you know, sell footage and stuff like that. Like it's a lot more credible, I guess. Or, um, do you still do like pretty much all regular videos? Um, so yeah, like this FPV professional kind of stuff hasn't quite taken off just yet for me, but I've seen it taking off for other pilots. So I, it is because I've got that background in production and stuff and I know how to kind of sell my services, but it's about finding the people that are willing to invest into it and actually, you know, pay you what you're worth for it. Cause they don't necessarily understand what all goes into this kind of thing. Yeah. That is a tough thing too. <clears throat> But like people like, um, who was it? Uh, Johnny Durst, AKA, uh, air blaster. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's one of the first pilots I've ever gotten to fly with. And he's actually kind of from my hometown, but he lives up in Montana and, um, he was down here and one of the first like few months that I was actually flying FPV, I got to go out and fly with him. And I learned so much just in that one weekend. It was yeah that, that dude's a master of his craft like yeah i tried to get him on the podcast uh, a while ago if you're friends with him heckle him some but he was like i'm not sure i'd have much to talk about i was like i'll do the talking <laughs> like you just answer questions yeah definitely yeah he's uh, a cool guy though he's been he's also from production background he was up and doing uh, film school and stuff and he was one of those inspirations i had to even get into filmmaking and then I, you know, had done the drone stuff and then he was starting FPV and then I was like, oh, dang, okay. So, like, it kind of motivated me to hop into it too and see what I could do with it. Yeah, and he's got a really, I, th I feel like his cinematic footage is, like, very good at capturing, like, what a drone can do, like, to get a certain shot um, without flinching at all. <laughs> yeah. Just hold you give it. him any situation, he would be able to handle it for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then you got Johnny's, like, you know, contract formula drift gig, which I'm like, dude, that would be just packs all day at a formula drift event. Man, I'm so jealous of that guy. He's just, I actually bought uh, the same ESC and flight controller that he was running after seeing what he was, he's pushing out to try it out. <laughs> yeah. Does he still run a Revolt? He does, yeah, the Revolt without the OSD. Um, so I got the Revolt with the OSD. I actually just finished building it before we got on this, this call. <laughs> yeah. And then what ESC did you put on or him uh, and you put on there? Halloween 45 amp four in one. Did you have to repin the connector at all? The ribbon or like the cable going from the flight controller to the ESC? 
No, it actually plugged straight into it. It came with the the right cable, so it was a good combo. And, Proper. Um, yeah, it's it's looking pretty good. Um, having some issues with the LEDs I put on it, but looking forward to getting this thing up in there. You don't need those. Nah, they just look cool. I, if I crash or something, I want it to be bright so I can go and find it. That is true. <laughs> especially if you crash like right at the end of golden hour and it just gets dark like right at the end of that pack or whatever yeah that's exactly what i was thinking i got him for like a steal my buddy was having a sale on some of his old gear so i was able to fix him up yeah i'm happy with this build i'm built i built out a super g uh shout out to jet for making a cool frame frame. but yeah i want to try some new frames here soon i think too yeah, I go through like phases of that. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna lock onto this one, and then I usually just end up back to where I started in the first place. Because I find that it's really just about picking the, like the best setup and then just flying it all the time. Get that thumb like muscle memory perfect, you know? Yeah, I had a I had like my favorite quad. It was flying great, no oscillations, even without like hyper smooth and everything, and it was so dialed. And then I went right into the ocean. Oh my god, tell me that story. Was it like was uh fa- like uh fail safe or like desync or what? Or pilot what? error. Pilot error. <laughs> it was the the curse of the last pack, you know. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I told myself, you know, one more, we got enough light. Yeah, we'll fly one more. Hey guys, and... I'm gonna do one more. <laughs> yeah, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. And uh, so it wasn't like a top end build, but it was it was flying great. And I uh, I was out in Corona del Mar, California, just right there on those some rocks and some waves are breaking around these cool rocks. And I came down and came like right as a wave broke over these rocks. And I'd done the pass like three or four times before that. And that fourth pass, the wave was like twice as tall. And I went right into the wave and my video feed just went to static. So it's just gone. gone. Yeah. Have you lost? Is that the only one you've ever lost like that? Like, yep. And I tried to get it. I was like standing on these rocks and they were like razor sharp rocks and I'm getting soaked. And then another wave came in and just took me and got me completely soaked. And I was like, well, that's it. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Those moments where it like, I've only had one, but where you lose it, like, you know, and it's far away and just, you know, it's gone. You just have to take the goggles off. That first, like, 10 seconds is a weird, weird influx of emotions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're just like, did this happen? Is it really gone? Or did it fly away somewhere? Yeah. Uh, Let me just... No, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I think I was more upset about losing the Hero 7 that I had on there. Every time, dude. I don't know why that is. Like, it's just so... Well, I guess because for the... Like, you just need a GoPro carcass, right? If you have a Best Buy warranty. Yeah. So, but the quad, it's like I can stomach that, um, but the GoPro is like, Ugh. it's all the footage too. It's like I was getting the coolest shots. It would yeah, been. last pack too, huh? That's like the whole whole session on there. I was I was even thinking to myself, you know, maybe I should put a different card in just in case. And then, yeah, it was too late. It was a yeah. Uh, have you been in a situation since where you have put a different card in to be safe? Not yet, not yet, but. I think if I ever do have to risk a flight, it'll be for some of that long range stuff. And I'll just be like new card, every battery, just to make sure we get the shot. Yeah. Just like rotate them. Yeah. Just get the 16 gig. Just, you know, that should be fine. Yeah. 
That's a good call. I kind of thought about that shooting stuff too, because um, like sometimes my GoPro will like lock up. I don't know if you ever have that. Like it'll start recording for twenty seconds, and then it'll just be a still frame with all the audio. <laughs> what on the Hero Seven or Hero Six or what? On the Seven. That's strange. I've never had that. Yeah, it happens to mine. It happens to my buddy Christian's, and it you know like I've heard about it happening to like multiple people. Um, but I've always like thought that too, like just switch GoPros or uh, and SD cards and like mix up the shoot, you know. That's not a bad plan. You know, if you're getting paid for the shoot, at least you know maybe just have some extra cards or something lying around. Yeah, that was like my biggest worry was like the what ifs of the world. What if my Tyrannus battery dies? <laughs> oh yeah, that's like I never considered that. I was like. Yeah, I'm not, I don't even have a backup Tyrannus battery. I should probably get one. Yeah, one thing I didn't calculate for, though, was the elevation at top of Aspen. Like, I thought about it, but I didn't think it was going to be, like, that big of a deal. And then I just straight ran one out of battery into the mountain. Like, I, And it was, like, 20 feet short of me, too. I was like, I think I did the math right. I think I can get back up the mountain one more time. And, like, 20 feet away, I just had to set it down. Oh. It's like, bummer. So was it different flying somewhere that high up? That it was, uh, like, the air was thinner? Or... Yeah, it just felt like um, I was... Like, have you ever driven a car at high elevation? It felt yeah, it like that. Yeah, where you're just, like, in it at red line or whatever, and you're still not going anywhere. Huh. It kind of feels like that, and I was just burning through batteries. I could get, like, um, like two, three runs of two jumps with the skier, but I had probably about 700 feet of vertical elevation. Um, and probably about close to the same of like to commute back to the top every time. Sure. And I was like messing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, all right, maybe if I fly super low, I can get my ground effect on the way up and save some battery. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes when I'm filming like the FPV or the dirt bike FMX guy, um, I'll just land it right back there, right at the beginning of the jump. So that way I'm not completely hovering, wasting battery. Yeah. I did like two packs and then I was like, I'm setting this thing down in between like i don't want to hover around this guy no just eating up battery then you might miss a shot later on but yeah or just brown out like go off the lip with him and your quad just falls into the ground (laughs) just dies did you uh did you ever tag that uh fmx guy like james carter is that his name carter yeah yeah, I tagged him on it on the video, anyways. But no, I mean, like, did you uh, like hit him? Did you tag him with your quad at all? Oh no, no, no! I've never hit him. Uh, we've gotten pretty close a few times. Even um, the last time we went out a few weeks ago, I was testing out some lead cam shots with a GoPro facing backwards. And um, you know, I'm just I you can't see them, yeah. so it's like, how are you framing your shot? And him and his buddy like almost ran into the drone a few times. They got really, really close, but we just swatted out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. I tell them before the flight and I'm like, look, if you hit it, if you run into it, can't be mad at me because the footage will be worth it. Yeah. (laughs) And of all the things that could happen here today, this is like not the worst by a long shot. Yeah. The props might be a little sharp, but yeah, it could be worse. (laughs) Yeah. Peg peg on the dirt bike through the thigh. could be like way worse. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They those guys they push themselves through some crazy stuff to be able to do that. Dude. Yeah, it puts it into perspective when you're like, It's a motor, oops, you know. And these dudes are like just you know, putting it all on the line. 
Uh, makes me so nervous to think about. <laughs> yeah, but like uh, I was chasing those guys on like the little ground bikes and stuff, and I hit that guy's front wheel, and he was like all about it. He was just like, "Oh, hell yeah, man! Like, did, did yeah. it? Is it dead?" Um, and I feel like the more extreme the sport, like the less concerned people on are like if you're filming like a soccer team practice people would be way sketched out by that thing whipping around them but a freestyle motocross guy is like whatever now like send it dude get up there and fly with us <laughs> yeah, you know? send it i heard that so many times in aspen oh i'm sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. i used to go snowboarding up there a lot during college and it was all just brown out drinking beer and having fun on the slopes getting sunburned and those great times <laughs> yeah in your uh like three three different price range video to get an fpv like the hundred to a thousand dollar video do you oh, yeah. ha don't you have like a the snowboard company air blaster one of those things in the background like the leg yeah. pouch yeah i've got like the original leg pouch back there the original fun product yeah <laughs> did does johnny have any like inspiration from that company I'm sure he does because he's a snowboarder too. So okay. I'm sure that like, it just kind of clicked. He's like, you know what? This would be great. Like, air? I'm blasting. I love Air Blaster. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. I, I wish I could come up with a cool FPV name. I just haven't yet. <laughs> I mean, you can always change it and do the P. Diddy thing. Yeah. I've, I've got a few things I'm thinking of, but I haven't quite set on anything yet. I mean, I kind of respect the fact that it's your name. Like, I've said it on here before, and I'm like, I don't like the fact that we started, like, with handles. Like, Johnny and Steel got away with murder. God, right? You know? Yeah, they just, I mean, Johnny FPV is just, that's perfect for him. And then Mr. Steel, like, yeah, those guys, yeah, it's yeah. perfect name. <laughs> and then we got, then like, you know, a few years later, we got, like, things like Fisted FPV and, like, all this <laughs> random shit. I saw one. What was it earlier last week? It was like cool FPV name or something like that. Was oh, sweet guy. FPV name? Yeah. Yeah, shout out Ben. That kid works at Tiny Whoop. Perfect. He cool. lives, and it's funny too because I like I knew him for a while, and I saw that on Instagram, and I had the same reaction. And then I'm at Tiny Whoop, and he's like, "Yo, that's mine." And I was like, "This whole time, this has been your name." And he was like, "Yeah." Dude, that's like that's a that's a good one. Out of all the FPV names, I I think that's the most sweet FPV name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you got your name. Like I think, especially if you're trying to do cinematic stuff, that's so cool. And uh, like I have you ever like hung out with people in the FPV community? It's like this weird, hey, I'm John, you know, whatever <laughs> FPV on Instagram, and you're like, oh, it can't just be like, hey, I'm John, whatever. True. Yeah. Like when I met up with uh, with Steel and Schizo and Stinger Swarm and all those, you know, it was weird. It was like, do I do what do I call you? I don't know. And I just started calling them by their names, and it it made sense. But it was yeah, it was still kind of like this strange, like, okay, you guys are insta popular. You got these names. What what do you want to be called? Most of them just want to be called by their name. I think. Yeah, I just call them like a real pilot by his call sign all the time. <laughs> That'd be so strange. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maverick. <laughs> I remember like when Instagram got started, people were like, "Oh, this is, are you from blah blah blah?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah." And then I eventually changed it to just my name, just because I got kind of tired of being referred to. Yeah, and you got Dr. like the Lichy. sweet uh, Peter McKinnon esque logo, you know, like the oh, block. This? Yeah, yeah, and like in your videos, the the watermark is like the square with the <clears throat> logo. 
Yeah, so I drew this with a paint pen. I was just in my garage one day, and I was, you know, just kind of messing around with uh, doing some graffiti or whatever, and it it just turned out so perfect. I was just like, wow, I've never seen my logo look this good before, or my signature, I should say. And um, I decided, yeah, that's got to be my logo. That's too cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Thanks, man. Sometimes I'm not so sure about it, but I mean, it gets the job done. <laughs> yeah, I go through like the ebbs and flows with the Fly Life font and like logo all the time. I'm like, yeah, this is sick, and then like see some someone else's and somewhere, and I'm like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should just rebrand again. <laughs> yeah, I should change. It. I ch- I had an FPV name. It was M Static FPV for a long time, but then I just dropped it. That's not bad. It's a good one. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all right. It was, like, leftover for making beats in the basement kind of days. Like, as nice. most people's are, is like, gamer tags and whatnot. Like a DJ name? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> gotcha. So, do you live in Colorado? Yeah, I live, like, 20 minutes north of Boulder. Oh, okay. Yeah, in gotcha. a town called Longmont. But uh, in, like, five weeks, I'm moving to eastern Kansas. Oh, that's a big change. Huge change. <laughs> What's going to take you out there? Um, most of my family is out there. Um, and then cost of living, like, you know, like I just got booked for this gig and like just having different avenues to make money off of drones. I want to live in a place that's not Boulder County, Colorado. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Boulder, and then. Boulder's no joke. Yeah. It's like the little mini Cali in the center of uh uh, the U.S. But so that's a big thing. And then I got into Kansas State's engineering school for unmanned uh, or UAS uh, flight operations. But I'm still debating doing that because I've worked in the commercial field for like two years, like building UAVs. And it's like very cool and tinkery, but I don't know if I could like, like you're basically a surveyor with a drone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, you're you're gonna be out doing like radar and mapping and that. You're kind like, of yeah, stuff. can you find some like iron ore in these mountains with this drone kind of stuff? Which is like super cool, but not like, can you get closer to this pro skier kind of cool? Yeah, I like <laughs> that. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would love for there to be some type of way for us to find more gigs to you know shoot FPV stuff, you know, but. I think like... it's I think it's happening. Um, like, because I was hanging out with like these pe- like people representatives from Aspen were there, and they were like, "Oh man, like we got to make mountain bike videos with this." And like, you know, it just kind of opened up a whole new world. And like, I think like Johnny and Gab and all those guys making videos is helping a lot. Um, but I think it's gonna like there's we're gonna hit I think a point where we realize like this is the stuff that can be filmed with FPV, and this is the stuff that is for cinema drones. You know, like. Yeah. really action sports I think and like moving objects and stuff like real dynamic kind of shit is where yeah. it comes in until I'm still putting it out there until someone jailbreaks me a Mavic 2 gimbal and puts it on my FPV quad with a slave remote right oh man people have been doing the uh, Osmo pocket on the drones now Yeah, that was big for a little while there and I think they got a tweak to where it was working pretty good that you could get some pretty cool shots I think it was Who's the racing, was it DR1, maybe? I saw some of their stuff. They were putting out some videos with it, and it looked good. Yeah. But... I want that, but with someone else holding the remote to the Osmo. Yeah. You know, like, if you could be like, all right, I'm going to pass the skier. Like, you just keep, like, like what an Inspire 2 can do, but just in a form factor that can pull, like, 20 Gs or whatever. And... 
Right, and then I guess the only thing is wind resistance on the gimbal because it's got to be stronger motors for it. Or yeah. a 360 camera could work too. 360 yeah. camera, like a glass bulb over it like they do on uh, helicopters, you know, just like something. Yep. Just another thing to keep clean on there. Yeah, try not to get grass all over it, lawnmower and everything. Yeah, that would be yes. a disposable item if you had those on there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, geez. Losing quads and cameras is not fun, but we'll see how. We'll see where it evolves to. I think the 360 camera is definitely the next next thing for these things. So cool. I need to. I, I, I mean, I'm sure GoPro's going to come out with a new one, but uh, I think that, that is definitely the future. I haven't messed around with one too much, but my buddy Christian just got an Insta360, and being able to, like, keyframe in everything. Like driving down the road and like passing cars, you can whip with the car is just next right. level. And the ease of doing it, like in the app, you know, it's not like some, Crazy. all right, I'm going to need like 38 minutes of tutorials on, you know, Premiere or whatever to get this project done. How to use it in the first place. Yeah. Stitch it all together and all this different stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> it'd be pretty cool to, it'd be pretty cool to try one out. Definitely. Insta 360. For sure. do, do you mess with real study much? Oh yeah, all the time. I think I've got that finally figured out for the most part. Yeah, it, is it's it? it is a very new, like a whole other thing to learn how to tune. Oh gosh, right. You got to learn how to shoot for it too, because if if you're moving too much or there's not like a lot of trackable objects in your shot, it's yeah, like, not going to stabilize anything. Needs those good cool. hard lines. Yeah, so if you can have some some things that are solid in your shot that aren't moving around, like I, I did one where it was a drift event, and it was pretty much just the car on concrete, and maybe a couple of cones here and there. But it just I had to keep had to go by frame by frame and mask out the car and make sure there was no shadow or anything moving and. That to um, me is uh, the worst part of it is when you have to mask something out. Like I had to do those paragliders because you have to like oh, pretty much mask out anything moving, right? Yeah. And I think I think we're getting to the point where we don't necessarily need real steady to get real cinematic stuff, especially with hyper smooth and like just some good lens correction. But it does really just turn your footage into this super buttery cinematic thing. It's crazy. Yeah, it's almost like a desired look because I totally agree. Like, if you pay attention to like your GoPro settings and like maybe even like down res it a little bit and like just have proper ND and everything, like even without hyper smooth, if you're not doing crazy maneuvers, you can get some pretty buttery stuff. Um, oh, and for then, sure. And then you add hyper smooth, which to me is like, you know, it's not like perfect, but it's like a A minus. Yeah, that's about what I would say too. It's. It, with that update that they did to it on uh, Hero it was 7 like that a came C out. plus before that to me. Yeah, because it was doing this like weird like, oh, what's happening yeah. in the shot? <laughs> yeah, it looked like when it looked like when you uh, first real steady something and it's got those weird moments. That's what that was going on <laughs> there. Yeah, it just kind of jumps around because you've messed with real steady a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, decent. I mean, I've messed with it a lot. Not much that I've put out because I, I haven't really like shot for it. I guess you know, like you put out that video that was very uh, Patrick McIntosh, Laguna Beach or whatever, or wherever he did that, um, and you did like the same thing. I haven't done anything like that with it. I've used it on like mountain flying and then the paragliders, and especially in wind. It helps. Like if I'm 
mm-hmm. doing slow, deliberate movements, filming something, but there's like a choppy wind, then that's what I like it for. Definitely. I think that's when I first saw some of your content was that um, you were just doing some mountain uh, tree cruising in Colorado or something. And I was like, oh, yeah, someone else is using Real Steady. This is great. Yeah. People are figuring it out finally. <laughs> for the money, like it's totally a lot of money, but for how much people have spent to get into this hobby and like be at a point where they care about it, it's not like a ridiculous amount of money. No, and I I realized that it was like you know it's three four hundred bucks whatever it might be, and it was just another business expense at this point. It was like that is the next level of you know what it takes to make this stuff look good, so people want to pay to have the service, you know. Yeah, um, it, like so. If you've done sh- like, have you done client or cl- customer projects where you've used Real Steady? Yeah, so some of the stuff I've done for NBC Sports, um, I've so my main gig with them, I come out and I shoot with my Mavic, just some scenics of like the track and uh, where we're racing and kind of downtown stuff wherever we might be, and they cut that into the show. But then we've been doing kind of a little bit of sampling of where I'll take the FPV drone around the track that they're racing on and then um, they use it with the commentator. They're like, hey, you know, coming around corner one, this berm is like this or this jump crests to this height and that kind of thing. And it just adds another perspective on like what the riders are seeing and that's kind of cool. That's super cool. It'd be so cool to be like amongst the riders in a race. Yeah, I've been pushing to do that, but they've been they've been pushing back against it. They're saying it's not safe, and I'm like, these guys are going close to 200 miles an hour around these mile tracks. Like, I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I'm not going to Dale Earnhardt anybody with this thing. No, definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, so that uh, sport that I do is called American Flat Track, and it's um, it's like kind of a different type of motorcycle racing. I know. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like dirt track racing, but sometimes they like mix like a little bit of road course in there, kind of like supermoto. It's like, but it's like mitigating a drift for most of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So like most of the corners, they're pretty much sliding the whole entire corner on these um, for for but singles like classes. Fast. Yeah, yeah, really fast. Like the twins are basically um, like Harley Davidson motorcycles that they're out there drifting on dirt. And I mean, last year a couple of guys actually died doing it. So it's there, there's more fatalities in it than there is in like NASCAR and you know other motorsports, but it's definitely not my my favorite motorcycle sport. I love Supercross and like freestyle motocross. That's what I would love to be doing. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting gig right now, and I'm trying to make the best of it. Yeah, um, going into you know like coming from the production side. And like learning how to FPV and fly and full manual and whatnot, was it like nerve wracking going to your first professional gig where you were like normally comfortable and like you did this stuff, but now you were like relying on this new skill set that is, you know, as nerve wracking as FPV? Yeah, I was just hoping I didn't like fail safe or something, you know, like straight, <laughs> straight beyond, up <laughs> yeah. beyond your control or like you show up and like, oh, all of a sudden, uh, a motor stopped working or you know something like that but yeah it's now i feel more confident in it i've been doing it for about a year and a half or yeah about about a year and a half ish and it's it's become it's become more uh, how do i say it i've become more confident with it 
yeah learning to trust the gear a little bit more and and just being able to like have a quad do what you want it to do you know like relay your thoughts to it moving that's how that's what i'm hoping flight one does is it just kind of reads my mind you know a little bit more yeah definitely cheap do you use flight one or yeah it's like all i've flown for two years Nice. I'm I always excited. like last summer I built a kiss rig and I built a beta flight rig and I'm about to fly. I, I always try everything. I'm going to try 4.0 just so I can have an opinion on it. Um, and I have mm-hmm. high hopes for 4.0, but I think flight one, the things that allows you to change if you're into smooth flight and a locked feeling, it's like very almost sim like, I know I have sim mode and that's like a pun, but it is very robotic. Hmm. That's perfect. Then, Cause that's kind of what I want from a quad. I want to be able to, you know, be flying forward, but then yaw, and then the whole quad just kind of spins around just like it does in the simulator, you know? Yeah, that yeah, robot vibes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is my first flight one quad, and it's going to be pretty cool, I think. And this is my first build that's, like, all brand-new components, nothing, like, left over, like, all name-brand stuff, so I'm really Cherish excited. Cherish <laughs> Yeah, I'm tired of buying like all that uh, Banggood type crap <laughs> or Amazon special. Yeah, it's it's smart to get it when you're getting into it because you're gonna go through it anyway. Um, but mm-hmm. like once you like once you fly that rig, you know you'll be like, oh. But you got to be good enough to like notice, you know. Like if you're first yeah. getting into it and you have like a kind of shit too, and you're not gonna be like, I'm getting some weird vibes on y'all every time I do this trick. You're gonna be like holding on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think you gotta come from flying those crappy. Like, I flew the Ishin Wizard for however long, and that thing was, oh, it was so fragile. <laughs> yeah, if you can shred that, you can shred anything. Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of what my mindset was, and I was like, you know, I just want to get into it, let me buy the starter kit, and we'll see how it goes, and yeah, that, that broke a lot of stuff, but it was it was fun, so. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what do you use for editing? Are you an Adobe guy? Yeah, I've got the full Adobe suite, so I've got Premiere, uh, After Effects, and I, excuse me, I edit on Windows, too, so I kind of, with RealSteady, it's not, you don't get the option to run uh, H.265 on Windows, I don't know if you know anything about that, but... I do, I'm a Mac guy. Okay, yeah, so, like, you have to use After Effects 2014 to run RealSteady on Windows. Okay. And I think it's 2017 that you guys get. 16. 2016? Yeah. And I think that supports H.265, which is what uh, the GoPro 7 shoots most of the 4K, 4.3 type stuff in, or 2.7, whatever it might be. And so if I want to shoot in those higher frame rate modes, I have to come in, add another step where I convert it to H.264, and then I can bring it into Real Steady and try to work with it. Yeah, I've had pretty decent luck with going to the ProRes codec. Perfect, but yeah. The files ProRes. are about yay big. <laughs> yeah, the first time I was messing with Cineform, like, my files were like 30, 40 gigabytes per file, and I was just like, this clip is 15 seconds long. Why is it 30 gigs? Yeah. It's just <laughs> rearranging pixels. It's like animating its way through it. Yeah, it's, at that point, it's just CGI, right? Yeah. Might as well be. But, yeah, I like the Adobe stuff. It's been working good. I've been seeing some uh, some pickup in DaVinci. A lot of people have been using DaVinci Resolve as a free 
kind of go to. And I, I, think I think as a free, it's pretty killer. Oh, for sure. Especially like a lot of the newer pilots that are getting into flying, they don't have Adobe's $60 a month programs to, to make what, what I make or what everyone else is making. But having just that ability to make a professional edit out of, out of your footage is huge, like super huge. Coming from the uh, production background, do you have any like pet peeves or like things you see um, that are like trends in the FPV world? Oh man, yeah, I see a lot of blue and orange. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's heavy. It's real heavy. <laughs> and I mean, it if that's what you want your footage to look like, then that's great. You know, I'm not going to hate on it or anything, but it's just everywhere right now, and I. It's yeah, blue and so orange is hot right now. Broncos are hot right now in FPV footage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's like that whole lookup table LUT uh, trend, I guess, is what's going on. And I I mean, I've messed around with it a little bit, but I don't throw it on most of my videos just because I think it's going to look dated in a little while. going to kind of put a timestamp on your, on your work or, you know what I mean, something like that. That's so just going to be like, uh, yeah. You know, that was 2019 or 2018, and then what's going to be next kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's okay. a good way to look at it. I think it's definitely going to be a trend. And, like, I think that look has its time and its place, um, but it's got to be some real, like, epic. We're in Monaco on a yacht, kind of yeah. Unolson vlog vibes. <clears throat> and it, it can be done good. Like, a lot of people, if you just keep it, like, just enough to where it looks like the, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just the, because slide the intensity just to, like, 25 instead of 75. And it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's oh. fine. I think, I think your videos look great. And, like, uh, there's just some out there that are so saturated. It's just so hard to see all the color and stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think, I think, I mean, for me, that's probably what I get asked about the most. And maybe one of my pet peeves is like just the GoPro settings and like color, you know, um, like what I try to go for with color grading is like, how, I try to imagine how it looked when I was there and then go a little yep. colder. Yeah, yeah, I always like that little bit of blue dropped into it because it just kind of makes it, it almost makes it look more realistic in a way. Yeah, it does, um, and I like that vibe, and then, I mean, who doesn't love motion blur? Yeah, do you add any motion blur or anything? No, I just run 4K, Super View, um, 30 frames at 160th, and then oh, usually okay. with an ND on, and ISO's locked at 100 do you ever find yourself like you have those settings locked in and then you get your footage back and you're like, oh man, these are the wrong settings. This didn't work out or anything, something like that. The, I, I have had that situation and the one thing I just really have to keep an eye on is the light and what ND I have on. Um, like a few days ago, I went through three different NDs in an hour just because the clouds as the sun was setting were just doing weird things. Sure. And so I just make it a point to check. And the GoPro has a screen on the back of it. Like, it's so convenient. Love that now. You know, you yeah. can just be like, yeah, good, and strap it back in. Um, so I do that a lot, but it depends, right? Like, if I'm going for a park sesh, my tolerance for what is, like, acceptable is way wider. Like, I don't really, you know, oh, whatever. Sure. Um, but, like, if I'm with these skiers, I'm, like, triple checking it. Like, I'm like, okay, it's been an hour, the sun's dropped, it's after four, I need to make sure everything's still dialed. That's, yeah, that's smart. And it's, 
that's one thing I wish I posted more of or did more of was like just park footage and just park session type stuff. But at the same time, I'm not very good at it. So I try to, <laughs> I just try to flow through some trees and whatnot. And, that, and then I look at it, I'm just like, oh, this is just tree footage. What do I do with it? You know, how do I make an edit out of this stuff? So I admired those guys that like you that know how to do that kind of thing. Cause I, I don't even know the first thing about making a, a, a freestyle edit. Yeah, that's so funny too, because like your FPV edits are so sick. But you've like, I don't think you've ever posted like doing a power loop or something. <laughs> but I did do some power loops when I was in Georgia, and I I got pretty good at them. But it was it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah, I think like I don't think there's like a need to do FPV freestyle, but I will say in terms of like relating to cinematic flying, it really makes you hella good at tuning. Because it's like, if you're going to find the imperfections in a tune, like, you know, it's going to be in those extreme, extreme, like, motions. Yeah. Um, and then it just keeps you, like, I went out today and flew 14 packs just, like, in a row. Because it just, like, keeps you, you know, like, then just I, long. yeah, and then you go chase a skier and they're like, you're like, this is so chill. Like, there's no gaps. I'm just going slow versus, like, getting crazy juicy. Yep. It's like dialing it back, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, um... There's, it's two different things. When I go out and try to dial in a tune, I'll do like split S's and a couple of like, you know, dives and things like that, throw it in prop wash and try to figure out what's going on with it. But, um, I just could not get my last frame, my, my stingy frame to fly good. I think I might have like a ESC issue or something. Cause it just does not want to fly without oscillating a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it could be ESC, the CNC bit could have been dull, like not saying X hover would, but you know, there's, it's an FPV no. frame. It could be like a hundred things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's never one thing. And that's, I think it, the more you try to chase a perfect flying quad, it's the more money you're going to spend. Right. Yeah. The more money and like, what is a perfect flying quad to who, right? Like, right. To me, a perfect flying quad is one that is like slightly overtuned because it feels the best. But then if you're going for footage, that's not that you're going to have a little bit of bounce back and stuff. And, it's so circumstantial um but i will say at least make your quad fly smooth to the people out there i get that's probably my biggest pet peeve is just like loving this new esc through the just just like a lot of jitter and like it's like what's what are you this video no what are you doing Right. Some of those videos that just get no love, like on the forums and Facebook. And I, I always like try to help them out. Just like give them a little like or something like, Hey, you're doing great. Keep at it or something just to keep them motivated. But yeah, way to police the positivity of, uh, the interwebs, especially after Steele posted that, uh, Rotorite Hitler video. Did you see that this week? No, I actually like kind of unfollowed the Rotor Riot fan club because I was tired of all the drama and stuff. Same. Was that on there? It wasn't on. I unfollowed it too. And then Steel posted a video. And you know, like that classic sh um, scene from a movie of Hitler, like in a boardroom, like freaking yeah. out, and they dub it with all the crazy stuff. Someone, oh, did, no. someone did one of Capper as Hitler. Oh my god! Uh, I need to look at that. I, I don't. Check that out not. It's not like the. You know, try to be positive out there, guys. But if you're not, at least crush it like whoever made this did. <laughs> I support both sides. Like, I mean, Rotor Ride did a lot to get the sport and hobby going and whatnot. And that's where a lot of, like, you know, that's. I'm sure TMZ the... started a lot of careers for a lot of actors, too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's. 
you know, I still watch some of their videos to see what they're doing. I mean, as long as they're having fun, that's really all that matters. But yeah, it's it's definitely guess, interesting. Yeah, and you like you said, you can unsubscribe from it. You know, mm-hmm. you can just you, don't have to look you at can it. just not go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I buy my stuff from other sites for the most part, anyways. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Rotorite's now merged with Kid or Race Day Quads. Is that who they merged with? Yeah, Hitler talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I missed out. I need to find the. No, uh, you're, you're gonna watch it after this and die laughing. Like I knew it was gonna be good if Steel posted it. You know. Yeah, definitely going into it. Uh, what was I gonna ask you? Oh, have you had any? Have you tried to real steady hypersmooth footage at all? Yes. The the so I bought the Hero Seven the day it came out and then I was like, Oh yeah, let's try out Hypersmooth, this is gonna be great and that's the day I did the FMX video with uh James Carter on his uh his like mint blue bike. Yeah, yeah. And um so I just threw it up there, same settings I normally did, but just threw hypersmooth on and it it did pretty good, just hypersmooth on its own. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So this should just stabilize really nicely and real steady. And that really kind of wasn't the case. It yeah. was just like, it was doing what we were talking about where it kind of just moves the frame around a lot more and it's like stabilization on top of stabilization. And it just was not, not a fan of it for some reason. Yeah. I just realized the other day I was like, I'll just, you know, cause I've been impressed with hypersmooth lately and I was like, I'll try it out. And I came home and tried to real study it. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Yeah. Um, when you stabilize something in real steady, do you, like, when you hit the first, you know, like, stabilize this, is it pretty smooth, like, first run, if you have your settings all dialed, or do you end up going back and, like, refining? It's been, it's been interesting, because, like, one thing I've noticed is with Hero 7, um, any, any footage from the Hero 7, like, I normally did 2.7K, 60 FPS, uh, 16 by 9 and that was kind of like my go-to setting for that. And um, that would stabilize great. It would almost get it always perfect on the first try. Maybe a couple spots I'd have to go over and re- reread. But when I now with the Hero 5 is what I'm using currently because well, the Hero 7's in the ocean. So I'm kind of just waiting to see what comes out next. So I was like, well, I'll just keep using the Hero 5 Black. And um, it it has like a... It just doesn't stabilize as nicely as the Hero Seven, and same settings and everything, and it's just it's probably the dynamic range now. Like it's got little more details to pick up on. Yeah, I, it's got to be what it is. But even that Daytona Beach video I did with the Hero Five, and it turned out pretty good. Yeah, there the was light few... was killer though too. You had a lot of high contrast light in that situation. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what helped as well because I was there at like six, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And that made all the difference for that shot. And that's one thing is lighting. Like a lot of people don't understand that you get these two moments of the day that are just perfect for filming. And, you know, you can go shoot out in the middle of the day, but your footage is going to be washed out and it's going to be, you know, if you're filming, in a, you're doing freestyle in a park, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But if you're trying to get that, that movie like look, you got to be out there at the it makes you a snob after a while like i can't remember like i'll fly like twice every six months now between like 11 and like two you know otherwise like those hours you know depending on what time of year it is but 
Yeah, definitely. Because you're like, oh, it's not golden hour. What's the point? You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or like, uh, or like I'll be out flying, and like a cloud will block the sun. I'm like, that's a pretty small cloud. I'll just wait ten minutes. Like, yeah, we'll just wait. Let's not waste any battery packs right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> pop it back out. And it does. You know, it doesn't like real steady GoPro settings. I don't think any of it like hides or is cheat mode. Like you can't hide being a shitty pilot with any of these things. But, yeah. like, if you got a slightly fucked up motor and you fly, like, in the last 20 minutes of daylight, it's going to look a lot better. Yeah, true. And, you know, a lot of people, well, not me and not a lot of people, I think just Joshua Bardwell thinks it's cheating or whatever, you know, but it's for a different purpose. It's for, it's for creating those visuals that are unreal, that are, you know, unobtainable with any other drone, and it just makes them that much better. You know, it would have been cool footage already, you know, say diving a, like a mountain or whatever you guys do out there in Colorado. <laughs> getting like crazy. You guys do. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy what you guys do out there. I see what like Skyberry's posts with from Rebel and like, I just get anxiety watching those guys fly that far. Dude, I get anxiety watching him fly those little shoots too, man. Like I love flying the mountains, but I like flying like you know treetops and like nice long rolls and stuff and he's like yeah. just threading the needle at like 60 yeah just sending going full scent and i'm i respect that kind of flying but it's like holy crap i would i would have a heart attack every time i flew out that far <laughs> yeah definitely it flying long range is to me like not like a heart attack depending on how far you're going but that's the nerves of it like i know i'm not gonna fly into this 500 foot cliff it's massive i can see it yeah. But I'm like thinking about my crossfire mounting like as I'm going up it and I'm like, all right, if I split us to the left, I'll put my crossfire, you know, facing the you know, sweet spot. Yeah, that's that's important too. And that's one thing, you know, I never really appreciated before I got into FPV was like antenna orientation, you know, body positioning and just like all these factors that come into play for flying a drone in general that make your signal better and once I learned all these different things, like, oh, you actually have to face this right direction or whatever, you get better link quality, you get better transmission image, all these things. And it's, yeah, FPV has taught me a lot about how how these systems work. Yeah, it's general. weird how much FPV, like, forces you to learn, you know, if you want to be good at it. Yeah, definitely. I've learned so much over it. And I, I'm one of those people where if I'm, like, interested in it, I become obsessed with it and I just have to know every little bit about it yeah. and I still haven't quite figured out pit tuning down to a science because it keeps changing but you know that's one thing I think I can improve on yeah the thing I found with pit tuning is like I just got like get a really good tune on a quad one time and then just like start there every time as long <laughs> as the quad is you know like somewhat similar but then you just have like a really good okay, it's bouncing back, so, like, I know where my tune's at and how it felt on this other quad, so I should right. adjust it accordingly versus starting from stock where you're just like, is this good enough? Is this good enough? Yeah, because, like, sometimes I'll start raising things and then all of a sudden it starts flipping out of the sky and it's like, oh, no, that's the wrong way to go. <laughs> too, too much. I made a mistake. <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, and, like, brand-new motors are just now filled with sand or dirt and it's like... That's great. This is, this is awesome. I think PIDs and cameras um, are like the last frontiers of FPV, right? Because you got to like solder, generally learn how to fly. And before you really start caring about that stuff, you're going to have to have like minimum six months if you're hitting it hard. 
Oh, for sure. Because I got I got into it in the middle of winter, um, and that doesn't really help because it's snow up here. Yeah, and I, you know I tried conformal coating, and my my soldering skills were so bad back then, and. Yeah, it was just a sticky, gooey mess with all the silicone that was on it. And it was like, oh, what am I doing? Things just stopped working. I don't know. Better order another receiver and kind of keep going. Things yeah. just stopped working. I don't know. That should be a t-shirt for FPV. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great idea. Yeah. I, would, I would wear that shirt. <laughs> yeah. I, went out, I was going out for a shoot with a FMX guy, James Carter, and I... I flew around the yard to test fly it to see if everything was working. Brought it back in. I was like, uh, let me swap this one motor that's kind of sticking, being weird. Swapped the motor out, and then all of a sudden my crossfire stopped working. It's like, what? All I did was change the motor. Why, why is crossfire not working now? <laughs> yeah, that's such an FPV problem. Yeah. If Definitely I can change not. a tire and your transmission goes out. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> Why do you do it? I had a Volkswagen at one point, and it did that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're just like, oh, we got a flat, and there goes the radio. <laughs> <laughs> How come when I hit the wipers, my my turn signals go on or something yeah. like that? Seriously. Um, before we get out of here, I, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was that I think is the most epic and overlooked part of your videos. And I just watched like your last like six in a row, and it's your addition of audio. And I think it's like one of the most underutilized things in FPV videos is like adding the audio, not of the quad, but like the FMX video, it sounded like you just had a mic somewhere that was recording this dude go off of the lip every time. Oh yeah. Thanks man. That's, that's a huge compliment. That's, that's one of those things that I've always kind of messed with, even with like the Phantom. I, um, I tried some stuff at a park one time where I just was like, you know, let's try to add in some like atmospheric sounds and just kind of give it that natural vibe. Like, Oh, what, how'd you get rid of the propeller noise is what yeah. I wanted that to be kind of like. And with the FMX video, I did have a secondary camera just, just shooting at the ramp kind of to get an extra shot if he wanted some extra footage or whatever. And then I was like, well, let's get the audio dialed in. Right. And then I was like, Oh, why not just stick it right in there? Cause like, I had all the footage of him hitting the ramp. You got all these little peaks too, you know, from him hitting it. Yeah, yeah, it was all it all matched up, and it was all like him, like he did a backflip no hander. It was the same exact sound. So I was like, all right, let me grab that backflip no hander and put it into this shot. And I mean, it takes it takes a lot of extra editing, but I feel like it's worth it. And I'm so I'm just holding myself to a higher standard, I guess, because I want it to be more you know captivating yeah i think i saw air blaster like when i first saw him do like add audio and then patrick mcintosh did those whooshes on the muscle beach video yeah. and that was, that was the first real one where i was like it's so simple but it adds um, so much yeah that, like, that video it it got me like hooked into like okay i have to do this at some point like that is just too crazy that video is amazing have you seen the unstabilized version yeah, it's moving around so yeah, much. That, I watched it like I I saw the stabilized one and I was like, oh, real study is epic. Like I should really think about getting this. And then I saw that one and I was like, I need to get this for sure. And it, it makes you wonder, like, how those earlier versions of the program, like, how did they even make it? Like, how did they make it do what it does? It's just it's just amazing. 
Yeah, and like uh, Jordan said the first time he was on here, what the hell kind of computer does Patrick McIntosh have to make those edit or those tutorials with? Where he's just real oh. studying, like in real time. And I've tried to like watch it and see if he like cuts it or anything, but it's just like he's like, boop, clicks over, and it's just like done. I watched what was it? Just some YouTuber was like making the ultimate After Effects machine, and it it really actually isn't too crazy of a PC build. It's mostly how your hard drives are set up, because if you if you read from one hard drive and then process it to another hard drive, the way you have your files set up is everything apparently. So interesting, yeah, because that's like my one of my bucket list items probably for the end of the summer is to get like a solid editing rig. <clears throat> and I used to have a Hackintosh. Now I have a Mac, but I think I'm gonna go back to the Hackintosh so I can have like a nicely built computer for half the price. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think like, I have a kind of gaming PC build. I, I built it from a gaming PC company, and I mean, it's been it's been holding strong. It's been editing videos pretty consistently, so I can do this on a laptop, that's for sure. <laughs> it would not work. Yeah, how, how long does it take you to, like, you know, render out a clip? Uh, so, with, like, the, the stabilized stuff, it'll take Say if it's like a 10, 15 second clip uh, of freestyle motocross, it'll process the real steady in about eh, a couple minutes. It doesn't take too super long. And then rendering it out, uh, it'll take about twice that, maybe five, 10 minutes. So it's really not too bad, but yeah, it's the longer stuff that takes a long time. So you just set that up overnight. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Like, or like I'll get up before I go to work if I have something to stabilize and be like, and render, and I'm off to work. Yep, yep, and I hate when you render something out and then you come back to watch it and it's got like a little glitch or it moves around a little bit. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, no. And it's not like real steady. You can cut out that piece and just fit, you know, because it like crops in and stuff circumstantially. Yeah, and some of the time I'm just like, well, we don't really need this part, so we're just going to cut that out. Yeah, yeah. and speed ramp right there. Yeah, that'll hide a lot of stuff. That's perfect. Yeah, I love speed ramps. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Or also, if you like, if you just like have a weird oscillation somewhere, and you just somehow sync it to a kick drum, for some reason it like hides it a little bit. That's clever. That's a good idea. The audio sequence for some reason like tricks your eyes or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, syncing up audio with the videos. That's that's a whole nother part of like the process. That's just a lot of fun. It's yeah. I, it's really, really cool. The first time I realized how cool it was, was I did a stick ham video and I liked the audio of my quad cause you could get the depth perception, like the sound of it going farther and closer to me. And I was yeah. like, Oh man, I need to start recording more stuff. And on my list is also to just have like an external recorder to have, you and know, it's like, like a zoom X one. They're like yeah. a couple hundred bucks or a hundred bucks, I think. And, they do a great job. Or do you have like a vlogging camera or camera? No, I need to get one. I just sold. I had an A seven, uh, A seven R, and that I need sold because oh. I was like, I need to get rid of it before it's too old. Um, and that's where I'm at with my A seven S two. It's been a great camera, but it's time to move on to something else. I think. Yeah, and but I don't know, dude. I hear sh- people are doing shoots with GoPro heroes. <laughs> Yeah, man, getting the ball rolling and starting yeah. some uh, some production life here, yeah. Yeah, a vlog yeah, camera would be sick because you get the secondary footage too. Like you said, just set it up on the jump and, you know, 
maybe even have like a thumbnail out of it. I don't know. Some, just another piece of content. Yeah, when I was um, filming last time some dirt bike stuff, I, um, I had the Mavic up looking straight down so I could see the FPV drone coming in and out of frame and seeing how it looked with them. So that's, I've got a lot of footage that I haven't even shared just because I've been traveling so much. It's been a pain in the butt to try to make any content. So just Did you put the Mavic in the air and then just go shred? Yeah. yeah, it was just, yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to, but it's like... You're not supposed to do a lot of things with FPV quads that I see on a daily basis on Instagram. <laughs> oh, man, for sure. You're supposed to have a visual observer at all times, right? That's yeah. kind of like what percentage point. of FPV heads do you think have their FAA number on their quad in this moment right now? I'm going to say like maybe three people. I'm going to say like <laughs> Bardwell and three others. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I probably should, but I mean. Have you ever had to deal with the FAA in like being a professional pilot? Like, besides Actually, your 107, but, like, have you had to, like, clear a flight or anything like that? Yeah, this last, uh, I was in Texas um, this last weekend for, for work, and it was at Texas Motor Speedway. It was one of their, um, it's one of the toughest races to get approval for out of our entire circuit. So I had to get an authorization waiver for Class D airspace. I had to add them to my insurance, which, I mean, the insurance is like fifteen hundred bucks a year for my Mavic. It's it's not too bad, but it covers up to like five million dollars in liability, and that's what they want. They want to make sure they're covered. You gotta have airspace auth- airspace authorization. You gotta be uh, you gotta have a planned flight map of what times you're gonna be flying <laughs> and where. And um, like it's just like a squiggle in a stadium. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's pretty much what I sent them. I sent them like. Here's here's where I'm allowed to fly. Here's my height restrictions because I could only fly 100 feet. Like I couldn't even go anywhere near like 400, which yeah. was kind of a bummer. But at the same time, there was an airport less than three miles away, and there was like a helicopter training route that came right by, and there was also a military base just like Perfect. a few miles out the other way. So yeah, it was really really tight airspace, and they were like. Well, we've never seen this type of waiver before, blah blah blah, and I'm, I'm like, well, this is the new way to do it. This is how we're going to do it from now on. This is totally fine and FAA approved and whatnot. And we ended up getting authorization. We were able to to make it happen, which was, you know, what we do. That's that's our job. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. The insurance was the biggest thing, like that with, with the skiers. That Aspen was all about. Oh, no, was... for sure. Imagine. Yeah, and like the the film company that hired me to come do it, they put on the sheet that they were filling out with Aspen, like just drone. And so like I show up and these people haven't seen my rigs and they're like on my back, but they're like covered in a bag because I was going to be skiing. So I like put them inside so they couldn't see my drones or anything. And this guy's like telling me not to hit the chairlift and like having like a serious talk with me. And I was like, yeah, it's like I'm not going to hit the chairlift. That's like, he's like, it's pretty close to the jumps. And it was like 30 feet away. And I think they thought I was going to bust out like an Alta or something and then I just pulled out like I was like yep got three of them right here and he was like that's it and I was like yeah man like if I hit a chair like even if I did everything's gonna be okay yeah like I think not a lot of people know like what what it is we're doing so it's kind of like a brand new frontier and it's and it's great that like even you and all Gob and Johnny and they're they're showing a whole new like perspective on this like 
this this career path i think you know yeah it is a career path now i think for you know like it exists crazy to think that i mean i've always wanted to be a pilot of some type and i never thought this was the way that i would do it yeah just <laughs> video games with sunscreen <laughs> yeah yeah like <laughs> I don't know. I, I still consider like going through. Well, I've got the 107 and whatnot, and all the material you have to learn for that. It makes you kind of just want to be a pilot and learn how to fly a light aircraft because it's not Dude, far you, off. I just found one guy on YouTube that's got like a vinyl wrap plane, and he's like an adventure vlogger, and he just like he's like, oh, I'm gonna go like from Canada to you know Patagonia and just fly five hours a day, and he like you know like skims the Amazon with both wheels and like flies the Grand Canyon and all this stuff, and I'm like. Is that where this is headed? You know, like, am I going to find a point in FPV where I'm like, ah, I just need to actually be in the sky? Because, like, Christian, who owns Craft Quads, loves FPV, now is balls deep in paragliding. Huh. You know, like, that was his, like, yeah. ascent to flight. Um, yeah, yeah, because, well, Steel does some paragliding, too. Dude, that's a, those powered paragliders, they make electric ones. And it's just like yeah. some big T motors on there, and like I understand that technology and trust it. Like it doesn't seem the barrier to entry seems a lot smaller on that. Yeah, and I'm like I, I, could totally I could get some twenty thousand milliamp lipos and a couple extra T motors. <laughs> yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's go. Like, oh man, could you imagine? Well, then you say, did you see the Banny UK video? With the jet with guy. Flying around? Yeah, yeah. They're gonna have races and stuff. Dude, uh, I can't wait. For the crash reel on Sports Center for that, Ooh. like just yeah, blasting someone in the face is like a cornering move, you know. <laughs> <laughs> eat my thrust. <laughs> yeah, eat, eat my thrust. That'd be the sticker. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think FPV is just the beginning for sure about where and you know, what what's going to be next for flight and cinema and stuff like that. I would love to maybe get on some Netflix. You know, see some see some FPV stuff on uh, the big screen. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I think you know, minus DRL, I think it'd be super cool to see that, and I think it'd be really cool to see like some way for like the masses to understand like FPV a bit more. You know? Oh, for sure. Because like you Is can it... explain skateboarding to someone, but like now everybody gets the culture because it's like so mainstream but if you just had to explain to someone like yeah we like to go out back of this bank for three hours of a time and just try to hit this rail and film it you know <laughs> it's like also kind of a similar concept where people are just like i don't get it and i think that's kind of the right. weird part people are like okay i understand flying drones and i understand racing drones but like i what do you have to do to do it you know yeah, and it's it seems like it's such a crazy thing to get into, but you really don't need to know a whole lot about um, like electronics. It's pretty basic stuff, and it's it's it is like skateboarding because yeah. like that's what I grew up. Might be a little skating. tough if you're colorblind, but you'll get by. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, are you colorblind? No, but I was just thinking okay. of building like like the like if you had a repin like a ESC connector cable into a flight controller, and you were like, what the fuck. <laughs> Like, how am I supposed to do this? Yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, you gotta get those chroma glasses to even throw it together. Dude, I could watch those YouTube videos all day. Cry on a Wednesday. I don't know. Is it, is it legit? Are they real? I don't. I can't figure it out. Uh, they are real. I mean, I've never known anybody that's like worn them, um, and I don't think it's like color to the point where we see, but I think it's like noticeable difference. You know. Hmm. That's interesting because I know a couple of YouTubers faked it just for views. Yeah. 
or you know, that there's the conspiracy theories out there, but yeah, yeah. yeah, it's whatever. All right, man. Well, we're over an hour here. I think we'll wrap it up. Uh, I appreciate you doing the show. That was awesome. Glad I got to pick your brain for a bit. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's it's been nice chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit better. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, do you have any sponsor shout outs or any videos or stuff you'd like to plug? Um, I don't have any sponsors at the moment, which you know that's it is one of those things. But um, yeah, check out my YouTube channel if you guys like cinematic FPV stuff. I'm gonna be trying to do a lot more of that. So. Anyone wants to help me out and throw me some batteries or some swag, I would love that. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I'll vouch for him. He deserves some. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, dope, man. You have a good night. You too. Uh, maybe we can do this again soon.